Hey, you. Yeah, the one who's been ignoring their HVAC system again this year? Don't spend another season hoping your furnace works. Be sure with help from the team at Legacy. An annual tune-up keeps your furnace running safely and efficiently when you need it most. Visit LegacyHeatingAndAirInc.com for online scheduling and special offers and discounts. While you're there, sign up for an annual maintenance plan starting at just $13 a month. Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. A Cook family business. Welcome to Football Never Sleeps, brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air. I'm Eric Hansen. The guy in the other box is Tyler James. Covering soccer for us tonight is Charleston Bowles. Notre Dame is in the national championship game against Clemson. As we start the show, it's a 1-0 Clemson lead at halftime. Uh, but we're going to talk American football on this show tonight. If there's an, a really encouraging update from the soccer game we will bring that to you but there's so much that is going on with Notre Dame here once the game stopped uh lots to talk about in terms of transfer portal action opt-out action um just all kinds of things coaching action and we will also have question action you can ask your questions live to us or We'll work them into the conversations. Uh, Tyler James is going to take you through the procedures and everything you need to do in terms of likes and bell ringing and all that stuff. Yeah, make sure you like this video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. It's free. And hopefully you actually like it, but we're begging <laughs> no, you to like No, it. I don't care. Even if you don't like it, like it. And then comment that you don't like it. That's how we want it. That's, that's how you gain the system, Eric. Um so yeah, interact with us. It helps the the our, our channel helps us reach more people. Um, the more people that are interacting with us, we appreciate those of you who have already submitted questions. Robert Halicki, Frank Sarah, and Brendan McCarthy. Thank you. We will get to those at some point. Um, if you are new to the YouTube proceedings, uh, submitting a question is fairly simple. Make sure you've clicked through to either the YouTube app or the YouTube uh, website um, to make sure that you're using the YouTube interface on the right hand side on a desktop. You should have a chat box where you can submit questions. Um, and then if you are using a mobile device of some sort, the chat box should be below our talking heads. Also, we have a 30-day free trial of InsideNDSports.com available to first-time subscribers. If you use promo code NDYT, um, a code that is exclusive to our YouTube audience here, when you sign up, you get free access to our premium analysis, recruiting and transfer portal coverage, and special access to us over on the Insider Lounge where we always – are sharing what we're hearing before we tell you anywhere else. Um, there's a link to sign up for that in the video description below, and I'll send it back over to Eric. Okay. Well, we are going to start have a very short re reset before we get into the news of the day. So the Irish are still 9-3 and three and ranked 16th in the final college football playoff top 25, heading to El Paso, Texas for December 29th. Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl matchup with number 19 Oregon State, who's eight and four, with diluted rosters for both teams. Mm -hmm. And we are going to start with quarterbacks. Quarterback is the top news of the day. And we will start with Sam Hartman saying goodbye to Notre Dame. He made about a five-minute video that he put on Instagram. He really didn't, he implied <laughs> that it was his last game. So he needs to redo the video. But we were able to gain confirmation that the implied message was that he had played his last game for Notre Dame against Stanford. Steve Angeli will get the start against Oregon State with Kenny Minchie backing him up. Hartman joins Blake Fisher and Maris Leofau as opt-outs along with 12 active scholarship players who have entered the transfer portal, some of whom have already found new homes. So, Tyler, what do we make of this? Was this a surprise? Do we think this is the best thing? Let's start with Hart for Hartman. Um, one, I would not say it was a surprise. Um, I, especially given how many other players are have either opted out or are expected to opt out, and the losses at wide receiver, um, it's going to be a very different offense in terms of personnel um, than it was when Notre Dame played against Stanford, and. I don't know um, that Sam Hartman was had a lot necessarily to gain by playing in the Sun Bowl. I know there are people who say who 
hey, Sam Hartman didn't have the best season possible, so why not play another game to try to improve what he did? I don't I don't know that it would make a difference one way or the other if he plays poorly or plays great in the Sun Bowl. I don't think that's going to erase or uh, sort of significantly change the book on Sam Hartman. It's, it's a long book as it is. Um <laughs> So I think the scouting report is is pretty deeply written at this point. Uh, it would have been a neat opportunity to see him sort of lead another group of guys that he hasn't really played a lot with. Um, but, I mean, that's essentially what he did at the beginning of the season, too. So it's not like that would necessarily be a new opportunity for him. So I I understand the decision. I, I would always like to see a guy play another game, but um, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily fault him either. Right. I, I think – had Oregon State's defense been full strength, maybe there was something to prove there. Mm-hmm. But th- their opt-outs have been kind of trickling in. And at first it was all these stars on the offensive side of the ball. But there's some pretty significant missing players on the defense now as well for Oregon State, as well as their kicker, who's pretty good. Right. Uh, I don't know what kind of backup kicker they have, what kind of depth they have at kicker. Hmm. Uh so Steve Angeli gets a start. That's what I think a lot of people in the fan base would have liked to see anyways. Um, aside from the personnel differences, we're going to see some different wide receivers and likely won't see Audric Estime and there will be some different offensive linemen. What, how might the offense be different with Steve Angeli running it, or do you think it's going to be pretty similar to Sam Hartman? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it'll be significantly different. Um, and maybe, and maybe that has something. That, maybe that is a critique of the offense this season that it didn't necessarily change a lot to best suit Sam Hartman, and maybe. I do think Sam Hartman's strengths and Steve Angeli's strengths are probably a little bit different, but I don't think that Notre Dame necessarily ran an offense that was like built specifically for Sam Hartman in any in any specific way. So I think Steve Angeli should be able to step in there and run a pretty similar offense. Maybe he's a little bit more comfortable doing some under center work, having done that at Notre Dame as a young player um, and being trained to do that, uh, whereas Sam Hartman was sort of learning doing a lot of that for the first time when he came to Notre Dame. So maybe there's some better play action looks under center that that Notre Dame can run with Steve Angeli. I think he he can. We've seen that he he's comfortable getting outside of the pocket. Um, Sam Hartman is too. Um, I I don't know if 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 Notre Dame maybe used that enough. Maybe that'll be used even more with Steve Angeli. So I, I a lot of words to say. I don't really think it'll be very different. Uh, do you, Eric? I don't. Um, I think had Notre let's say Hartman was going to be available just in case suited up, but they were going to give Steve Angeli the start. Then maybe you might run Steve Angeli a little bit more and some planned quarterback runs. Not that he's a markedly better running quarterback, but he's also not preparing for the NFL either. Um, But you're down to two healthy scholarship quarterbacks on the team. So I think you may want to, hold back from that a little bit. But yeah, I I assume it's going to be similar. It'd been, and, and I do think it would be good to see a little bit of Kenny Minchie if you're going to give Steve Angeli the start, if you can work Kenny Minchie in late in the game. I think that would be a plus two. And I, I think he would have a little bit different play calls. But uh, that's only if it's lopsided though, right? You, you don't, He's not going to play in the second half if it's close. Correct. Correct. That's what I'm saying. If if the if you can work him in in the second half, because the game dictates that that's not a risk, then I I think it would be great to see Kenny Minchie in the game. But what do, uh, what do you what do you think of this opportunity for Angeli? Um, and do you think do you think there's any chance that Notre Dame is better off in this one game having Angeli rather than Sam Hartman? I don't know that they're better off. I, I, I think Sam Hartman was the better quarterback all year. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that a lot of people, I've gotten a lot of emails and people on our message board as well and in chats have tried to convince me that, you know, Steve Angeli playing meaningful snaps has some 
worth to it. And I don't disagree with that. But in this particular game, I think what Steve Angeli sees against Notre Dame's number one defense in practice is far superior to anything he's going to see in the Sun Bowl game, especially with Oregon State's roster watered down now. When they were at full strength, they were a decent defense, and they played against some pretty good quarterbacks, Michael Penix and Bo Nix mm-hmm. included. They did not they did not play USC this year, so they didn't have to face Caleb Williams, but still some pretty good quarterbacks in that conference. And uh, Noah Fafita from Arizona, who was a top 10 pass efficiency guy. But, you know, the the bright lights, it's going to be a sellout in El Paso. Um, I think a friendly environment to Notre Dame, but but yeah. not a home environment. So I think there's some benefit, but I don't think this game is going to tell the coaching staff. It, it's not going to be a revelation that, oh my gosh, we've been we've been selling this guy short or we I think they know everything they need to know going into what would be an open competition at least in name in the spring. Now, we may get some quarterback news before the show is over, but so far we haven't gotten it today. So we're going to move on to the transfers who have committed. And there was a new one today in Bo Collins from Clemson. And Tyler, what can you tell our listeners about, viewers about Bo Collins? Yeah, he's a six foot three, two hundred ten pound receiver from Clemson. Caught thirty eight passes for five hundred ten yards and three touchdowns in eleven games this season. His year ended early with a torn plantar fascia in his foot against North Carolina. So I don't, I don't have a timeline for what that recovery looks like. Um, but he's someone that has had some injuries throughout his career. Uh, last year, he had a shoulder injury. Um, they actually suffered in the uh, Cl- uh, Notre Dame game that he played through to the end of the season. Um, so a guy that's been on Notre Dame's radar forever. Um, I I covered him as a rising sophomore going into his sophomore year at St. John Bosco out in California. He camped at Notre Dame um, and was the most impressive receiver at that camp. Um, Notre Dame didn't end up winning that recruitment. Obviously Clemson did um, and sort of understandably given Clemson's history with wide receivers as of late. Um, and I, I don't know that he necessarily has met his potential there. We're talking about a top 100 type receiver coming out of high school, um, but he's played all three seasons at Clemson, um, so he's very experienced. Um, he can make some big plays. I think he can make contested catches. He's not necessarily a speedster, um, but I do think there is some big play potential there um, and a guy that certainly adds – some needed experience to to the wide receiver room that was was starting to get depleted pretty fast uh, at the end of the season here with the transfer portal. So since we joined you last, Chris Mitchell from Florida International has joined uh, as an incoming transfer portal. And then I think it might've been during the show that Jordan yeah, Clark, mm-hmm. from, a DB from Arizona State. So there's three so far mm-hmm. that are in, we expect, there to be more as we go through the month of December and into January. Um, So what's your assessment of the incoming talent so far? We talked a little bit about Bo Collins. What are your thoughts on Chris Mitchell? What are your thoughts on Jordan Clark? Yeah, I like Collins. I think Mitchell, I like Mitchell the most. I think he's the best addition so far. Um, He can take the top off the defense. He has speed. He's a big playmaker. Uh, 64 catches for over a thousand yards and seven touchdowns this season at FIU. Um, certainly that's not the best of competition, but he even played well against Arkansas, which isn't the best that the SEC has to offer, but is a, a power five uh, program. Uh, so that, that is a good addition and the speed and an outside receiver that can make plays, I think is something that Notre Dame needed pretty significantly in this transfer portal cycle. And I think that's what they got in Chris Mitchell. Um, Jordan Clark is an, is an experienced nickelback. I think that's a position where it might be pretty smart to sort of continually recruit veteran nickelbacks. If, if you don't have them on your roster, um, it worked out for Notre Dame this past season with Thomas Harper. And I think uh, that's what Notre Dame's sort of hoping can be the same for Jordan Clark coming over from Arizona state. 
um, another graduate transfer. Clark and Mitchell are graduate transfers. Bo Collins is not a graduate transfer. Um, I had reached out to someone who would have a pretty good idea about this before um, his, his visit to Notre Dame, and I was told that he did not intend to stay at Clemson to graduate, which he's been on pace to graduate at the end of this academic year. Um, so he would be a semester short there. I, I don't know exactly what the plans would be moving forward. If he, how much of his credits transfer over is graduating from Notre Dame realistic. Does he just end up graduating from Clemson once he's done playing football? I don't really have the answer to that. Um, but my, at least as of now, that's my understanding that Bo Collins is an undergrad transfer and not a graduate transfer, which is a bit of a twist for, for Notre Dame because we don't see a lot of those. It is. And it's, it's pretty significant if, that trend continues, and we believe that Riley Leonard is going to end up in this transfer class. Let's kind of update the Riley Leonard situation, then we'll talk about the other guys that have visited in the past week. Um, meaning, what, what, what has something happened while I was talking? I'm not exactly no, sure I'm just saying <laughs> we we do expect Riley Leonard to end up at Notre Dame, correct? Uh, yeah, that is still my expectation. I think Notre Dame is in in the the pole position to get an announcement from Riley Leonard, as maybe my pause there indicates that I wouldn't even be surprised if it happens during this live show. Um, I wouldn't be surprised either. So that's why I was asking for clarity there, making sure I didn't miss something while I was talking. Um, so yeah, Riley Leonard visited Notre Dame last week. That's that's been Notre Dame's go to target in the transfer portal this cycle. Um, I, I think that Notre Dame wins out there. Um, Notre Dame also received visits from R.J. Oban uh, and Mitch Jeter, R.J. Oban being a defensive end from Duke, and uh, Mitch Jeter being a kicker from South Carolina. Um, both those guys visited over the weekend. I, I think Notre Dame's in pretty good shape to land all three of those guys. Uh, I don't know exactly sure how that timing's all going to play out, but I think Notre Dame has done a pretty good job here so far with the guys that's been able to get on campus for official visits in the transfer portal. So there's one guy that's visited that we're not sure about, and that's Josh Kelly, a wide receiver from Washington State. What's our read on that? That he's yeah. going to take more visits? Yeah, he's looking to take some more visits. I I I I would qualify him as a miss at this point. I mean, certainly things can change. Um, I think Notre Dame's going to look into some other options because that's what Josh Kelly Kelly is doing right now. Um, so I, I would not. I don't feel very confident that he ends up at Notre Dame, as we've seen. And now the transfer portal era isn't extremely long, but typically guys that end up committing do it pretty quickly after they visit. And that's not that dissimilar from recruiting, but especially in the transfer portal process, not only do they commit soon after they visit, but the first visit is oftentimes the last visit. Um, a lot of guys have a pretty good idea of what they're looking for. And it's some of the visits are more crossing T's and dotting I's than trying to figure out if this is, um, something that they're interested in. They're already interested in, otherwise they wouldn't be making that visit because there's not a – it's a pretty small window that you want to sort of make your choice and, and get set up for your next uh, go-around, especially when you're someone like who's a grad transfer and you want to get into school and um, get going next month. Maybe he was expecting chili and sea bass on the menu. Anyways, um, <laughs> be, if – do we want to jump into Mike Brown next, or do we want to go to questions before we go to Mike Brown? Um, we can go to questions. Okay. Um, here's the first one from Robert Halicki. Is the addition of Bo Collins essentially a Tobias Merriweather placement, or do you think we add one more wide receiver and the Texas A&M tackle? Um, in terms of role, I don't think that they're similar type receivers, but in terms of numbers – I think Notre Dame will take three wide receivers, as Tyler was kind of alluding to. And I don't know about um, the Texas A&M. Chase Biscontis, is that the defensive Bis line? Biscontis, yeah. I, I don't know that that's a fit or that that's got momentum. I think Notre Dame would look at a possible starting tackle. I don't know that he's a guy, even though they recruited him hard out of high school. I don't know that that's a fit, but uh, in terms of how Collins would fit in Notre Dame's offense, I think he's more of a possession receiver than Tobias was 
mm-hmm. uh, probably would play into the boundary, I'm guessing, um, because they would want somebody with speed. I, it seems like Mitchell would be more the guy that would be in the role over where uh, Rico Flores and Tobias were playing on the field receiver side. Yeah, exactly. That That is how I see it. As for Basantis, yeah, I, I don't know that there's been a ton of traction there. I, I, I know there was a report Chase put out himself that, that Notre Dame was someone who reached out to him along with dozens of other schools. Um, Notre Dame's reaching out to lots of kids that get into the transfer portal. Um, right. there's, a, there's a lot that has to happen but between the reaching out portion and um, there being serious yeah. chance of him ending up at Notre Dame. Yeah, there's a difference between just putting feelers out and doing your research and inviting you for chili and sea bass and a visit to campus. What's the chili and sea bass joke? I don't get it. <laughs> I just It's just something that maybe it was on, not on the menu that he got steak instead of chili and sea bass. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was just a reference that was dated that I didn't understand. I was when, when he said it, I was like, I don't know what he's talking about. So you think it was a dad joke? Is that what you're saying? An old man joke since I'm basically similarly aged to your Well, I, I, we have a lot of similar taste in humor. We're big Wayne's World and Austin Powers fans. So I was like, wait a minute. I mean, I know they got it was uh, in neither of those movies. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, Frank Sarah asked, How many transfers will Notre Dame get? How many do they want, or how many will they get? <laughs> um, I think that they could be in the get up to 10. I think that might be realistic. Uh, let's go through the positions off the top of my head. So they'd like to get three wide receivers, mm-hmm. probably would take an elite offensive lineman. So we'll say four there. Um, They're going to take a quarterback. That's five. They are going to take a defensive end. That would be six. They've taken a nickel at seven. I think probably a safety makes eight. A kicker makes nine. And then you have some luxury positions, maybe a tight end or a second defensive end. Or, or, or a defensive tackle if Riley Mills moves on. Right. If Riley Mills moves on, getting Chase, I mean, getting um, Howard Cross the third back is huge. And we'll uh, go into that here in a little bit. But I, w- I would say 10 is pretty realistic number right now. Yeah. I, I mean, I think we're projecting and there's lots of, a long way to go there. Obviously, we feel good about a number of those guys that we've already discussed. Um, but and there's still plenty to to change. And I mean, this I think we're we're sort of thinking about what's gonna happen in this portal window. And obviously the this portal window, meaning the guys that enter the portal now, they don't have to necessarily commit now. Um, although if they're gonna transfer between semesters, they would need to do that sooner rather than later. But things can change, obviously. Guys are gonna end up leaving in the spring again, and then there's another whole nother window of guys that they can bring in. Um right. but I think as of right now, that's probably a a decent number. I mean, it might be a little bit on the high end because I mean that that sort of t- takes for granted that Notre Dame is able to get everyone that they want to at all those positions, which doesn't always happen. But I think Notre Dame is being aggressive in the transfer portal and trying to improve its roster for next season. And those would be places that they're looking to do that. They certainly did their research because they had people in here pretty quick, and it's yep. a very competitive market. And and kudos to them for doing that. All right, Brendan McCarthy asked, are Tyler and Eric eating PB&J sandwiches tonight? I love Angeli, but I, I will still be eating the Chuck Weiss bi-week burger. <laughs> you know, uh, we have this um, software called Otter that helps us with transcriptions, kind of, and it never has Angeli right. It is always and, A-N-D, jelly, J-E-L-L-Y. So, yeah, that was a clever... Um, tease, I guess, that Notre Dame put out to to let us know that Steve Angeli would be starting. They had the banana singing peanut butter jelly time. So I was amused by it. Yeah, um, it's not the most uh, sonically pleasing song, <laughs> but I yeah, it, I think it's a good uh, a good joke. And they they didn't wait waste much time as soon as Sam Hartman uh, announced that he was done without 
exactly saying it. <laughs> um, they, they put out that tweet and uh, let everyone know that they're ready for Steve Angeli. And I know Sam Hartman shared it right away on his Instagram. He's been Steve Angeli's number one supporter seemingly throughout the season and, and wanted to give him some props and talking about his bright future. So um, a good opportunity for Steve Angeli coming up. In pure taste, I would take a bi-week cheeseburger over <laughs> peanut butter and jelly anytime. Agreed. All right, John Murray uh, asked, good evening. I'm having trouble reading these. Numbers. Good evening from, from Montana. Montana. From Montana, great day to be Irish. Who will be the most important receiver next year? Hmm. Let me think about that. Most important receiver next year. I think it's a bit of a crapshoot, right? We, I mean, it could go any number of directions. Yeah, because, I mean, Jaden Thomas and – Deion Colsey are still really good players who didn't get to show that this year. Uh, Jaden Greathouse is coming on. I wouldn't write off Jordan Faison. I'm not saying he's the most, but I'm not, I don't think he's going to fade into the background. But I would say from this standpoint, I think if they don't get another field receiver, Chris Mitchell in some ways could be a very underrated sneaky important receiver just because the better that field receiver is the better mm -hmm. Notre Dame's offense is all around so I'll say Chris Mitchell yeah I think I think that's the way I was thinking about it as it currently sits because he's just the most different I think I think he he brings an element that I don't know that any of the other guys do um I don't now, certainly Jordan Faison has speed, but he's not – I don't know that he's going to be an outside receiver type playmaker um, moving forward. So I think Chris Mitchell has a very good chance to be Notre Dame's important, most important receiver. I mean, coming into this season, I thought it was going to be Jaden Thomas. I really like Jaden Thomas as a player, so it wouldn't shock me if he ended up being the most important receiver next season. Um, he had some unfortunate luck this year with the hamstring issues. Um, so those are guys that I would probably circle, uh, at this point, but I think any, it, it's a long list of guys that could potentially do it because it's going to be just as, such a new combination of guys. We're talking about a new quarterback. Um, and I think the, the variables there are so many that I think it could go any number of boys. Um, we can get this to this, but Evan, I think we touched most of it. Do you guys have any insight on Riley Leonard or other transfers? Did RJ Oban's visit go well? I'll let you answer those because you already touched on them and you are more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, Notre Dame is hopeful that Riley Leonard will uh, join in its future roster coming up in the future. Um, and RJ Oban's visit did go well. Um, that is my understanding. I think he's another person who um, could very – likely end up in Notre Dame's on Notre Dame's roster for next season. Um, so Notre Dame uh, did a good job with those guys uh, this past week, uh, Leonard during the week and then Oban over the weekend. I am not used to notifications from a soccer account because it not only tweets goals, it tweets near misses. <laughs> that's the, Notre that's Dame the game. Has a bunch of those. <laughs> that's the game, Eric near misses. All right. Uh, we are not Marshall ass. Why is it doing this to me? It is giving me a real hard time. It's making it blue and I can't read it. All right, here we go. You Tyler want me to read it? I no, I got, I got it. I just have to click over. It's just not working how it normally does. What does life after Joe Alt and Blake Fisher look like using your crystal ball? Is the O-line a concern heading into 2024? I don't know if it's a concern, but I think Tyler has said this before. If there's an offensive line without Joe Alt on it, it's hard to envision it as a better offensive line than this year's version no matter who the other players are mm -hmm. and you're losing Fisher and all I mean I like the material that's coming up Tosh Baker was a very highly thought of recruit coming out of high school didn't have a lot of football under his belt he's hung around at Notre Dame a long time he was a, a college basketball prospect up until like his junior year of high school out in Arizona. And I love Emil Wagner. I mean, incredible athlete who was just undersized when he came in. So I like the upside for both of those guys. And I would think that they would have the inside track on those two tackle positions. 
Uh, there are some other young tackles that are pretty talented on the roster as well, but I'd say it would be hard to bump those two guys. And then there's always the prospect of bringing in somebody from the portal, but I think it would have to be somebody better than Chase Basantis to be beat out those two. I don't know. I, I, I'm impressed. Emil Wagner is my offensive line crush. So, and Billy Shrouth too. Yeah, I, I think football one, crush. One, I, I do think it is a concern. I, I, I've been expressing that for some time now. Um, especially if you're, I mean, just losing Joe Alt is enough. Like <laughs> that, I, we, I think people have, have maybe taken for granted how good he is. Um, and I think Notre Dame is due for a pretty big drop-off for whoever plays left tackle next season because I doubt they're going to be the number one offensive lineman in college football. Um, so who is that going to be? I think that is a, a, a potential spot for a, a, a transfer if Notre Dame can do that. I, I would I would imagine that would be someone who's probably a grad transfer who has experience at it. I don't know if there's necessarily a match there. I think offensive line transfers can be difficult, but they can work as well. I mean, there's been varying degrees of success there. Um, the Tyler, center... don't you think, don't you think um, interior guys are more apt to transfer if they're elite than a tackle who is more in demand by the draft? Um, if you're talking about, I mean, I think that, I think that, at least for my knowledge, the history, and I, I mean, the, but the history is not even that long. Like the one name that comes to mind to me, and I got to look his name up because I will butcher it if I don't have it in front of me. Um, I can butcher it without having it in front of me. <laughs> I know how to say it, but I need, I need the spelling in front of me. It's Olu who transferred from Virginia to, um, to Michigan. Um, Olu Shagun Oluwatimi. Um, was the center at Virginia, and he transferred to Michigan ahead of the 2022 season. Right. And then he won the Remington Trophy and the Outland Trophy um, after after that season. Now, How did he win the Outland Trophy over a defensive lineman from Texas? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, Notre Dame's Notre Dame's guys can't do that. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. There's not there's not a tackle equivalent to that that I'm aware of. Um, you look at like. Ohio State. They brought in Josh Fryer from San Diego State, I believe. Um, he wasn't. They were hoping he would be the left tackle. He ended up being right tackle, if I have that correct in my head. Um, and so I think it's it's hit or miss. And, and so you have to sort of find that right combination of a guy that's that had some success somewhere, but also wants to take that next step up, but can also play at that next step up. So it's it's a pretty thin or, or small needle to thread. Uh, so I, I, I think your instinct might be right that maybe that it's easier to do that at, at the interior than the outside, but that's, that's the opposite of what Notre Dame needs. Like Notre Dame should be pretty set on the interior. I think it probably has too many guys, uh, for the interior line positions. Um, and, and is going to need to figure out what its tackle positions are. And I have been somewhat critical of Blake Fisher's season. I don't think he re reached his potential at right tackle this past season and, and was nervous if he were to stay about him being the left tackle. Now, maybe I would prefer him as the left tackle than say Tosh Baker, but I, I think that there was going to be a challenge for him to shift over from right tackle to left tackle. Uh, so if Blake Fisher is someone I'm nervous about, like, is there, is there really going to be an answer that Notre Dame's going to find and be like, okay, I'm, I'm certain that this guy's going to be a great left tackle for Notre Dame next season. I don't know. I think there's going to be a, a lot of work that needs to be done in this offseason to to prove that the offensive line can can play as well or if not improve on what it did this past season. Right, but there are guys that take jumps that you don't always see coming. Like Mike McGlinchey wasn't a top 250 player. That's a guy that Harry Heastan loved right. and thought, I can make him into an All-American, and he did. But, I mean, there were some – rough patches. Liam Eikenberg, it took him a little while to get the motor going too. So sometimes it's not as apparent. You usually see the potential, but for them to kick it into high gear and become an all-American caliber guy. And Joe Alt never gave us a chance to doubt him. He jumped in there halfway through his freshman year. So 
Um, here's uh, since it's on topic, uh, Regine asks, hasn't Fisher said he doesn't like the left side? I don't know that he says he doesn't like this left side. I think he's just aware of the challenges of that, and he he was plenty comfortable playing on the right side yeah. with Joe Alt playing on the on the left side because he knows that left tackle is is an even he, bigger. He was tackle. more measured in what he said in the media this year. I asked him that very question maybe early in the year about, hey, do you see maybe being the left tackle at some point in your career? And he was very diplomatic. You know, I'll play quarterback if, you know, if they want that kind of answer. Um, but the Blake Fisher last year would have answered that question in 2022. <laughs> that he We would have gotten a straight answer. All right. While we are on the offensive line, NC Notre Dame fan – uh, asked, what is the difference between Gerby Lambert and Ty Chan? Both were the number one player coming out of Massachusetts. Do you think Chan can get playing time this year? Thank you. Um, if he can beat out one of those tackles or move inside and beat somebody else inside, there's not a lack of talent with Ty Chan. I hear good things about him. Uh, Gerby Lambert, I think, is on a different level coming in the door than Ty Chan. I think he's more highly thought of. Uh, again, I know this is a guy, Harry, he Stan liked a lot before he was even committed to Notre Dame. Harry started the recruiting process with Garvey. So, um, but I mean, that's what I said. There's a lot of talent on this roster that is younger and inexperienced. So it's not like, you know, Ty Chan is you know, oh my gosh, he's not turned into anything. I think he's progressing really well. Yeah, it's it's a little unfair because we've seen Ty Chan in some practices, and I I think he didn't look his best necessarily in those practices. But that I mean, that's sort of to be expected from a young offensive lineman. Um, so there's plenty of room for improvement there. I think, for my understanding of their games, I think. I, Gerby Lambert is a little bit more athletic than Ty Chan is, um, and that is something, like if you said, okay, which one of these is more likely to be a left tackle, I would probably say Lambert rather than Chan. Um, but obviously the opportunity is there for Chan to sort of make a big leap. I think he would have to pass some guys up, like Eric mentioned. Um, but certainly I wouldn't I wouldn't rule anything out because it's, it's up for grabs. And that, I mean, at this time last year, we didn't think that Pat Coogan was going to be a starting offensive guard for Notre Dame, so I think there's plenty of, of ways right. that the tackle positions could work out for Notre Dame next season. All right, some more questions. Lloyd Christmas asked, should we be looking at McCord, Moore, Will Howard, etc.? I don't understand why not. Dante Moore? Um, yeah. I, because I think Riley Leonard is going to end up at Notre Dame. I mean – I don't think that you look at those other guys and invite them in unless you miss on what your first choice was. And I believe Riley Leonard was Notre Dame's first choice. I don't think those guys are bad quarterbacks by any means. Uh, the fact that Dante Moore has been <laughs> changed his mind on things so much, I, that's a little bit of a red flag for me. I think Will Howard would have been mm -hmm. an interesting fit. Um, I don't know as much about Kyle McCord. I, I, I don't know how good Kyle McCord is. Right. Um, I, he certainly impressed me in the last drive for Ohio State and Notre Dame Stadium. But I think there are a lot of quarterbacks that could have had pretty good stats with the wide receivers that he had. So I'm not I, – I, I would be just as happy to see Steve Angeli get a shot than – Kyle McCord and maybe that's not fair to Kyle McCord but um yeah I think I'd go the other way on that one well I I get I, I mean I think that that he got so much good experience that I feel like I, I would if if I'm in the transfer well, if he market, starts throwing in Notre Dame's receivers it's going to be a way different experience than yeah. throwing a Marvin Harrison and Abuka and those guys. Yeah, so. if I'm a team with good risk, I, I understand going with Riley Leonard. I don't have a problem with that. Um, and I, I don't I, – I mean, I think when Notre Dame was interested – I mean, Notre Dame's known for a while that it, it wanted to take a grad transfer. 
um, likely a grad transfer, but Riley Leonard might not be a grad transfer. So taking a, an experienced transfer as a potential starter for next year, I don't know that Kyle McCord was a name that many people thought would end up transferring. So I don't even know if Notre Dame w- was entertaining that. I think you have to at least think about it. It wasn't a name that I had heard that Notre Dame had had, had thought about, but um, I think if I'm a team with good receivers, I would, I, I would give um, – Kyle McCord, a, a, a long look and, and see if I can cash in. On <laughs> well, he's, he's looking at Nebraska, so <laughs> that's where yeah. he's visiting right now. Yeah, and he's going to bring geez, Julian Fleming with him, I think was the report uh, that uh, they're visiting there together. So um, maybe uh, maybe Matt Rule can be the beneficiary of that experience. Uh, uh, what What's implied here, I think, Lloyd, what you're implying is why Riley Leonard and Again, there are times where I looked at his stats before I saw him play against Clemson this year, and I had seen him play on TV a couple times before, and I just thought his passing stats don't look great, but when you watch him play, you see why he has the it factor and why he is so highly regarded uh, because he can toggle between the running game and the passing game, Yeah, and he's really an elite runner. Yeah, I'll give some more thoughts on Riley Leonard. I I know we had planned to talk about him a little bit more, so I'll just jump in here with some of my thoughts. I think I think a lot of people just look at his final stats for the 2023 season, and it's like, man, that doesn't look too hot. But I think the context, which I get, I provided for our subscribers on the Insider Lounge, I don't know, like a week ago maybe, was that he he was playing well even through the Notre Dame game, Notre Dame game wasn't necessarily a great game for him, but he had completed 62% of his passes um, for 912 yards and three touchdowns, one interception. The touchdown numbers are probably the most shocking when you look at it. He didn't throw for a lot of touchdowns this year, um, but he played against a lot of good passing defenses. Uh, Notre Dame is number one. Uh, the number Clemens two pass- is in the top 10. Clemson's number four, or at least they yeah. were going yeah. into the last weekend. I don't know if Navy or Army passed them, but um Florida State's number two. Riley Leonard played against Florida State when he was physically compromised when he um had uh had come was coming back from his high ankle sprain probably sooner than was was really in his best interest. Um, but he wanted to get out there to try to keep Duke's good season going. Um and didn't play well against Florida State and against Louisville when he re-injured or not re-injured, he injured a toe against Louisville. And he struggled against that game. And Louisville's defense is pretty good. I mean, look what he excuse They're me. They're 22 he, in pass efficiency defense. Look, look what he did, or look what Louisville did to Sam Hartman. So I think I think you have to look at more than just like Riley Leonard's passing stats to sort of evaluate what he is as a quarterback. And then you look back at this 2022 stats. And NC work, State is 23. That's another really good pass defense the the word on on him as a as a player going into this past season was that he was a potential first round pick mel kuyper jr and and uh from the espn and and dane brugler from the athletic both had him in, in their top 30s um on their big boards going into the season so there is high expectations for riley leonard he didn't necessarily meet them this past season but there is a pretty enticing ceiling for him even if maybe you didn't see that um, if you saw him play against Notre Dame or watched the games that he played against Duke to finish this season. All right. Do we want to continue with questions or get to some news and go back to the questions later? Um, I think that this is a continuation of what we're talking about. Maybe there's something else we can add to it. Philip Eddy uh, says it looks like the wide receiver room has improved in both talent and leadership. If Riley Leonard is the choice, He's the type. Is he the type of quarterback that can read a defense and throw the ball downfield? If he's on the NFL radar, which he is and was, yes, he is. You just didn't see it a lot this year in Mike Elko's offense, and in part because he tried to play through a high ankle sprain, then tried to play through a toe injury, and then that was the end of the season. But last year, he certainly could. I mean, he had 20 touchdown passes in 2022 with 13 rushing touchdowns. Um, he's got the size for it. So, yeah, I think that that would be – I think he's a lot better than what his 
as Tyler said, his statistics have shown. I, I would be excited to have him on my team if I were a college football coach. Yeah. Um, well, first, uh, Rajon, uh, apologies for saying your name wrong earlier. Thanks for correcting me. I, 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 I will happily accept corrections because I don't know exactly how all you guys say your, your name. So thank you for, for clarifying that. Hopefully I remember it for next time. Um, here's another question from Timothy Holland. Any chance that one of Notre Dame's receivers that jumped into the portal returns to the team? I believe Chris Tyree is the only wide receiver who has committed elsewhere. Thanks. And then Johnny S. rightfully chimed in saying that Braylon James is as committed to TCU, which he did today. Right. So do you think there's a chance Rico Flores comes back to Notre Dame or who's the other one that I'm uh, Tobias Merriweather? I don't think Tobias is coming back. I, I mean, maybe Rico, but I just, I think it's really difficult once they get in there, they're getting love from other schools and they're getting ready to take visits. I think it's hard unless you're not getting any offers. I think it's hard to hit the brakes and say, wait a minute, I made a mistake. I mean, I think that Marcus's message after he uh, fired Chancey Stuckey was that I'm going to bring in somebody really good. And the rumors about Mike Brown happened pretty quickly. Now, I think Rico was already in by that point. And Mike Brown is the new wide receivers coach. We'll add that, that he is going to coach in the bowl game. He's already at work. It, it becomes official once they get through their you know, never ending vetting process, but um, they felt comfortable enough to announce him officially and, and let us know that he's on the job and then he will coach the wide receivers in the bowl game. So let's, let's build off of that, Tyler, a little bit. What does Mike Brown bring to the table? Because I think people look at that and say, well, Marcus hired one of his friends. Uh, so in terms of differentiating him from one of his friends, uh, what does Mike Brown bring to Notre Dame? Yeah, I think it was like the double whammy of easy and I would say lazy takes is that what do we want Wisconsin's wide receivers coach for? And what, what why does Notre Dame have to keep going to coaches that have connections to Marcus Freeman or coached at Cincinnati? Um, one, he was only Wisconsin's wide receivers coach for one year. So I don't, we don't know that I would hold Wisconsin's passing game against him. Um, they were in a transition year. They had to play two different quarterbacks because of injury. Um, and uh, obviously this is an over uh, an overhauling of that offense there for Luke Fickle um, taking over the Wisconsin program. Um, the, the things to like and the reasons to say, I don't care who he knows, um, is what he did at Cincinnati. Um, he turned three three-star recruits into NFL draft picks. Um, that's Alec Pierce. Um, who was a 2018 three-star recruit. He ended up being drafted um, by the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Trey Tucker is another three-star recruit who ended up getting drafted in the third round of the 2023 draft. Um, and then Tyler Scott was a fourth-round pick in the 2023 draft. And all those guys, the majority of their playing careers, if not all of their playing careers, um, happened with Mike Brown at Cincinnati coaching them. Um, and so those are pretty good reasons to believe in his ability to, to develop talent at the wide receiver position. Uh, certainly, I think the biggest question mark that I have is his ability to recruit. Um, doesn't have a long resume. Certainly, Cincinnati was recruiting at a different level early on in his career. I think by the time you get to cash in on the success that Cincinnati have, then the, the staff has now left and, and maybe isn't building on that um, the way they could have. Um, so he only signed one four-star recruit while coaching at Cincinnati um, and had one four-star wide receiver recruit committed to him at Wisconsin. That's Kyan Barry Johnson from Bolingbrook, Illinois. Given the fact that Cincinnati wasn't a power five program until this year and Wisconsin doesn't sign scads of four-star wide receivers, they do other positions, but not that position. I thought, I think it's impressive. I think this is a good follow-up from Johnny S. Don't most coaches look at who they know and trust first? I think that certainly plays into who you're looking at. I think when you open up a search, you kind of look at both. But, yeah, there's there's a trust level that comes with somebody that you've worked with before that you know their work and you know their work ethic and you know their team chemistry 
And so there's pluses for that. That's the same thing kind of in our business, even though we've made hires at the South Bend Tribune outside of that, we've also made hires inside of it for people that we knew and certainly gave them interviews because we thought highly of them. And we, there are fewer surprises. Sometimes there's really good surprises from somebody outside, but sometimes there's not. Yeah, and if, if Marcus Freeman didn't know a good wide receivers coach, then maybe he would have had to go outside of his his, his uh, Rolodex. But it seems like Mike Brown is a good wide receivers coach, an up-and-coming one, um, and we'll see if Notre Dame has made the right choice there and, and can get the most out of out of Mike Brown and he can get the most out of the receivers that they have on the roster. All right, I think that's about it from questions. Okay. I mean, John Erickson said, did you guys see the, the ND soccer player kicking for the Cowboys last night? I didn't I, watch him. I know he, Aubrey, um, hit a 59 and a 60-yarder. I think I saw that that's the first time somebody had had two field goals that were that long in a game. Uh, and he's, I believe, 28 for 28 on the season, which is amazing. He, he's up to 30 for 30 after last night. Okay, thir- well, then they can do a 30 for 30 on him. <laughs> um, and I think that might be the best streak to start a career. Um, so, And, and a guy that didn't even play college football. Yeah, wasn't even a college football player. They so could use quite- him on the soccer team tonight. They're down two to nothing here in the second half. So. Oh, yeah, that's that's that could spell doom for, for the Irish then. Yes, that is a long comeback. But they beat Clemson 3-2 to two earlier in the year, so maybe they have three goals in them in the last 18 minutes or whatever. So, All right, I got another question if you want to keep going with questions. Okay. Uh, Rick Fairman asked, what is the feeling of the O-line coach and their progress? The line had a series of games that made fans uh, – I don't know what grinder thoughts means. Um, so, uh, But I think we got the gist there. What, what, are, what is the feeling of the O-line coach? I must be a Canadian expression because I know Rick is from Canada. Either that or he had a typo. Uh, I'm, guess, I'm guessing typing. I'm guessing typo. <laughs> okay. I mean, I I have I know Joe Rudolph had a good reputation nationally when he was at Wisconsin. Then he went to Virginia Tech for a year and came to Notre Dame. I know that that opinion isn't universal. But I think he was regarded as one of the better offensive line coaches in the country. I mean, he certainly put a lot of guys into the pros at Wisconsin. He's a guy that played in the NFL himself. He's been an offensive coordinator in stints at both Wisconsin and Pittsburgh. So I'm open to seeing what he is in year two. I don't know that I was blown away from everything that happened this year. I think he had some difficult circumstances and it's hard because you're comparing him to Harry Heastand and that's, I'm not going to make a Chilean sea bass um, <laughs> analogy here, but Three it's, times. <laughs> it's difficult. It's difficult to compare anybody to Harry Heastand. I mean, among the, the offensive line coaches that are in college football that are currently, I'd still say he, he qualifies as one of the better ones, and I'm eager to see what he does next year. Um, so that's where I stand. I'm more open-minded than I am conclusive on what I saw from and, – and you wonder, again, how much of this is related to an offensive coordinator who is just kind of getting his feet wet. Yeah, and uh, I'll add this comment here, and I'll put Rick's question back up. Sean Garney said O-line got eight up this year. I, I – I don't know that I would agree with that sentiment. I don't um, think you make the Joe Moore Award semifinal list if you got eight. No, up. I think I think they were. It was their life was made more difficult with loaded boxes, um, and then Notre Dame brought more tight ends in the mix, which um, sometimes can be great, sometimes can um, leave you a bit exposed because with that tight end usually comes another guy that's willing and capable of tackling, and if the tight ends aren't always winning. Um, then you then you're you're put in a bad spot there. Um, so Notre Dame certainly had its ups and downs as an offensive line. Uh, I thought they protected the quarterback really well. I think the interior line struggled a little bit with that. Um, I, Blake Fisher didn't have his best season as a pass blocker either. Um, 
So I, I understand why there might be some questions about Joe Rudolph. I don't think it didn't seem to me that Zeke Carell took another step forward or or necessarily Blake Fisher in any significant way. Um, now maybe maybe that's more specific to those guys than it is Joe Rudolph. I I don't know. Like maybe maybe they wouldn't have been better with Harry Heastan. Maybe they would have. I, I, given Harry Heastan's track record, you'd like to think that he would have. Um, but I, I don't know. Um, Zeke Carell, I think. His Zicarell's issue, and I think it was a recurring one, was it just some physical limitations that sometimes he wasn't able to sort of physically dominate um, in, in some scenarios and, and was able to uh, and allowed some penetration uh, because of that, uh, particularly with head up nose guards. And uh, so I think that was a little bit of an issue, but certainly Joe Alt didn't get worse. I, I mean, I I think that would certainly be an indictment if, if Joe Alt did get worse considering how good he is and was. Um, but uh, I think there were some reasons to believe like Pat Coogan and Rocco Spindler sort of improved as the year went on. I think we, we didn't see huge drop-offs when guys were asked to play at the end of the season in their place with Billy Shrouth and Ashton Craig. So some reason to believe that those guys can, can be potentially – um, influence could potentially influence the the offensive line um, makeup next season. So uh, I, I would say the jury's still out on Joe Rudolph's Notre Dame tenure for sure. But he, he certainly has a track record of of developing and producing offensive lines that that block well. Okay, well back to the news of the day: Joe Alt and Xavier Watts clinch consensus All America status today. And they are both in the running for unanimous All American, uh, All America honors. Watts would be the first ever Notre Dame safety to do that. If it happens, you don't have a lot of unanimous All Americans. Notre Dame has had five in the 2000s so far. The most recent being Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa in 2020. Both were named to the Walter Camp first team on Friday. So there's five organizations that determine consensus and unanimous All-Americans. You can clinch consensus honors with three first-team uh, honors from uh, the football writers, from the AP, Walter Camp. The other two that haven't come out yet are the American Football Coaches Association and the Sporting News. Howard Cross was a second-team All-American on all three of those. Audric Estime was a second-team selection on the AP team that was released today. And Watts won the Nagurski Trophy last Monday night, I think right after we were on the air, right, Tyler? Uh, uh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, yeah, yeah, I, I, who knows? It's all I didn't write the story until after we were off there, I will say that. Um, he will play in the bowl game. And he may very well come back to Notre Dame. He's got next year mapped out. He's going to get a master's degree in May if he stays at Notre Dame and doesn't go into the draft. Howard Cross is going to play in the bowl game and is coming back to Notre Dame in 2024, as we mentioned a little bit earlier. That's huge. Joe Alt got snubbed for some individual honors. Yeah, uh, Tyler, was there anybody who did not get All-American status that you thought at least deserved consideration? Um, I would just like to add that I will no longer take the Allen Trophy serious. Um, I should have stopped taking it serious after they snubbed Quentin Nelson, but after snubbing Joe Alt, they got it. They have a serious issue with Notre Dame players, clearly, um, because I don't. I don't know what what they're what they're judging. Um, anyways, uh, rant over. Uh, in terms of all American guys, I think you could have made a case for either Cam Hart or Benjamin Morrison. Um, I think if you look at the PFF metrics, Cam Hart may have had a better season. Benjamin Morrison was sort of thrown at more this season. Neither of them had like the interceptions that you, you tend to need at the cornerback position to to make an All-American team, um, which is probably why they didn't make one. Um, and I think that's a big reason why Xavier Watts is getting the acclaim that he did because of all the interceptions that, that he was able to attain this season. Right. Do you think th anyone else that I didn't mention? You said Morrison and Hart? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say those guys were the ones that would be in the mix. The thing about Morrison, you look at the stats of the guys that he defended, and it was pretty consistently 
a, a big dip in their stats when they played Notre Dame. Now, again, sometimes Hart had them, sometimes Morrison had them. The other thing that hurt Morrison is a lot of times guys that vote or people that vote on these awards, they will look at who the NFL likes. They'll look at the Mel Kuyper top 10 list. And Morrison isn't on those yet because he's a sophomore. Yeah. And so he was hurt a little bit by that. Uh, so, and, and he didn't get into the uh, Tommy Kramer <laughs> copycat. Uh, he wasn't a five-star, he wasn't a five-star recruit. So that doesn't help you either. Right. Right. So, okay. More questions or uh, keep going here. I don't think any other questions. I thought there was a, a funny comment here from John Erickson. My Christmas prayer is that none of these people that are always looking to move on from that coach or this player never married my daughter. Um, and then Mike DeVoy said, how was Kyle Hamilton not a unanimous All-American? Because he didn't play Yeah, most of it. He only played half a year his junior year, and then his sophomore year was his first year as a starter. So he only played in six games. The fact that he was All-American at all was a little bit of a miracle uh, just based on six games. So. Yeah, I otherwise had he played the whole season, yes, he would have been. He and he was a consensus all-American. That that half a season was good enough to get him on that list, but he was not a unanimous all-American. Another one um, from Ray Oh, sorry, did you have something else? Nope. Uh another one from Rajon is is Jack Kaiser staying. He is considering it. Uh I thought his well, I don't think I know he told me his mindset going into the season was that this was going to be his last year. And then with Maris Leofau and with JD Bertrand moving along, there may be enough of an enticement for him to stay. He would also have a chance to go play in the NFL. I'm sure there are other teams that would love to have a guy with that kind of efficiency and that kind of experience on their teams. I think he has 27 degrees from Notre Dame. So he could probably be a professor next year if he wanted to. That was funny, Tyler. Sorry. I'm responding to a question. Sean Gorney keeps asking about Nick Howard. I don't know who Nick Howard, I don't know if he means Will Howard. So I was trying to ask that in the chat while you made a joke. So I didn't give you the applause or the, the laughter that you deserve. I, I'm sorry. Okay. While you're answering questions, I'll, I'll share a little bit more news. Michael Carmody, uh, who at one point was a starting left tackle on Notre Dame's team for one game or two during the 2021 season. He submitted his name to the transfer portal today, Monday. He has been injured a lot during his career. Pretty promising young guy uh, earlier in his career. Uh, Joey Tonona and walk-on Skip Vallada went into the portal Late last week, Joey Tonona already has a home in Purdue. He is um, a guy that had taken a medical retirement. It's easier to unretire medically at another school than it is your current school. Some The other guys that have found homes are Zeke Carell at NC State. We mentioned Braylon James at TCU. Nana Osafa Mensa, TCU. Tonona, Purdue. And then Chris Tyree, Virginia, was the first one who landed at a new school. Um, okay, I did get some clarity from Sean Gorney, and I was just I just didn't track who it was. Uh, the question was, curious your thoughts on Nick Howard. His highlights really impressed me. With our offense, I would take him over Riley Leonard. And Nick Howard is the Dartmouth QB who visited Notre Dame, I think, this past weekend, um, who, from my understanding, is not being considered as a scholarship quarterback. I think he would be a potential walk-on if, if uh, Notre Dame – wanted to add a walk on, but someone, someone who visits Notre Dame and Butler in the same weekend. Um, we're talking about a different caliber of quarterback than Riley Leonard, in my opinion. I don't know if you have any other thoughts than that, Eric. I, I will stand with your thoughts. All right. Okay. I think that's, I think that's it on questions. Sorry. Sorry for not, not giving you your laughter. Okay. A <laughs> uh, couple last little tidbits here. And then we'll either wrap up or Tyler will find more questions or more dad humor. Uh, the new rivals 2025 top 250 is coming up tomorrow. And so we'll know how Notre Dame's recruits in that class are ranked. 
Notre Dame resumes practice this weekend after final exams. We'll have access on Saturday. Uh, anything else, Tyler, that you want to throw in or, or questions you want to take? No, uh, I would say keep an eye out for that Rivals 2025. I have seen it. That there there will be some new Notre Dame commits on that list. Well, the commits aren't new, but there will be commits that are newly on the list, so keep an eye out for that. Um, Notre Dame fans may be excited about the the upgrades and opinions on some of its current 2025 commits that Rivals will be releasing. Um, there is a question here. If – uh, it's, it's there's some typos. Rajon apologized. Um, he, he wanted to know if uh, if Notre Dame, if Jack Kaiser doesn't stay, would, would Notre Dame go to the portal for a linebacker, do we think? I don't think so. As long as you were confident, everybody else, you could always go in the springtime. Uh, I think you look at who they've got. They've got some incredible young talent coming up. Boy, Nolan Ziegler's. Uh, videos have been pretty impressive. His uh, 22 something per miles per hour and his dunking and, and so forth. But you have Jalen Sneed, you have Viliamu Asa, Preston Zinner, Jaden Osbury, Drake, Drake Bowen. Bowen. Uh, there's a lot of good young talent that's coming up. And I think Notre Dame would be comfortable with the numbers unless there were an injury in the spring and then maybe they would go to the portal uh, to bring somebody in. But I, I almost think it would be more of a depth piece than it would be a potential starter because I think you have a lot of potential starters with that group, really talented athletes. I mean, you're going to see – I know people have been waiting for this wave of linebackers to come. Well, they're going to be here. Um, and then there's a couple other freshmen coming in as well besides Viliamo Asa. Yeah, I think uh... – we, you Notre Dame would be lacking some experience, um, certainly. So I think you you would at least maybe look into some options there, um, but you should like the guys that do have at least experience in knowing Notre Dame's defense um, that could potentially help you next year. So I think uh, I think it's sort of hard. Like you, it, linebacker is important that you want experience at, but if they don't have experience in this defense, I think that's that could be a pretty large learning curve. Um, so if that, if you're relying on that as the reason to go get a linebacker, then maybe that could be a tough fit. So I think Notre Dame would be a little bit picky there if, if they decided to go in the linebacker portal market. All right. I think that's it, Eric. Okay. I appreciate everybody for tuning in tonight. Wake the neighbors, tell your friends, have them meet us here next Monday at seven o'clock. We'll have another show brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air, uh, who was at my house recently doing the maintenance plan. They're awesome. And uh, thanks to Tyler James for correcting all of our grammar and spelling <laughs> and not laughing at my Chilean sea bass jokes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to. I owe, I owe Eric some laughs after missing the Chilean sea bass joke and then. Whatever one he made. I the other one was legitimately funny. <laughs> I just totally missed it. I was in. I was in the in the comments trying to sort out what was going on there. Um, but like Rajon says, hit the like button, subscribe to our Inside Indy Sports channel, comment your thoughts after the video, even if it's if we're not live. If you disagree with anything we said, um, we certainly would like to hear your opinions. Um, we also have a thirty day free trial of InsideIndySports.com available to first time subscribers. Use promo code NDYT. When you sign up to get free access to our premium analysis, recruiting and portal coverage, and access to us over on the Insider Lounge, which is where we spend a lot of our time and tell us, tell our subscribers what we know that is going on before we tell anyone else. So there's a link to sign up for that in the video description for this video. Uh, will we? You'll hear us again on Thursday if you're an Inside Indy Sports podcast listener. Um, that's when we plan to record this week rather than our typical Tuesday. And that should do it for us this week, and we will talk to you later.